The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. Here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. I'm Benjamin Shapiro, the executive producer of the MarTech Podcast, and today we've got a special episode for you, which is going to be guest hosted by Doug Bell, who's the CMO of Chief Outsiders. Doug is a veteran CMO with a background in helping growth stage B2B SaaS companies reach their true potential, and I'm thrilled to invite him and some of his friends to take the microphone and share their knowledge with you, our loyal MarTech Podcast listeners. Okay, here's a special episode of the MarTech Podcast, guest hosted by Doug Bell, the CMO of Chief Outsiders. Hello, marketers. My name is Doug Bell from Chief Outsiders. And today, we're going to discuss leveraging platforms for business revitalization and growth. Joining me today is Ted Moser, who is the senior partner at Profit. Profit is a growth and transformation consultancy known for blending insights and inspiration at every step. They pair a rigorous, empathetic approach to problem solving with bold creativity shaped sound, original solutions. Yesterday, Ted and I talked about revitalizing your business through the right platforms. And today, we're going to continue our conversation by talking about the three reasons platform excellence is essential to growth. Okay, here's my conversation with Ted Moser, the senior partner at Profit. Ted, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Doug. Good to be back. Great conversation yesterday. We unpacked so much. I especially love helping companies sort of point themselves away from the choose to the use and the benefits of that change. And I want to use that as a springboard to why organizations take this on. Because we talked a bit at the end about this being as big a change or as equivalent to the change of on-prem companies making the transition to cloud or even the transition during the uh, early days of the internet era where didn't put a website out there and start thinking at least lightly in terms of the choose motion maybe even towards the e-commerce motion, those companies probably don't exist or we don't know about them anymore. So what I'd love to do is to spend a little bit more time and talk about why a CXO would take on such a big change and really what are some of the things they need to think about along the way. So kind of unpack why companies are approaching you and really how they're thinking about their future and why they would take this on. Happy to, Doug. We would say there are three answers to the question of why is a platform approach to business existential, not optional. One is being with the customer as they use is becoming the definition of a relevant modern brand. We run an annual brand relevance index of profit, my consulting company. We interview tens of thousands of consumers every year about hundreds of brands. And we give them 16 attributes and we ladder all, but the, the king crowning question is this brand is relevant 
to my life, and that's highly correlated with NPS and intent to buy. And it's very clear over the last eight, nine years of that study, as platforms have emerged, the most relevant brands, the top 10, 80% are platform companies, the next 10, 60% are platform companies, the next 30, half are. You get to the bottom companies, 10% are platform companies. And those that are there are more like utility-based platforms, news feeds, and that sort of stuff. So it's clear that brand relevance and this brand matters to my life is something that's going to be highly correlated with this brand is with me as I'm using. It doesn't just sell to me. So that'd be number one. And brand is a canary in the coal mine for business vitality. Number two, investors reward companies that they believe are traveling with their customers during their use journey adding value and creating valuable data so that they can grow customer lifetime value. When we look at the stock market index during the 2010s, which was really the era of the takeoff years of platforms versus the non-tech era, two, three to one growth in enterprise value because investors said, I believe that if you can watch your customers use, you have structural competitive advantage. The third reason would be preparing myself for modern competition, which we call convergent competition. Traditional competition depended on whether or not I had physical assets that were similar to my competitors' physical assets. Did I have a manufacturing plant that looked like them? Did I have a product patent portfolio that looked like them? Do I have a sales force that looks like them? In platform competition, the question is, do I have access to the same customer data as they do? Do I have a way into that customer's life? And if I do, we can find companies coming in from different angles, different industries to the same customer going after the same customer data set. So as an easily understood example, the movies that we watch on a Friday night, right? Netflix way in is being a movie maker. Apple's way in is being a consumer electronics maker. Amazon's way in is being an e-commerce provider of all sorts of goods and services. But they're all touching the moment that the customer watches a movie and that makes them convergent competitors. Obviously, so is Peacock, so is IMDB, so is Curious Refuge, a startup making AI movies that you can make yourself, so is YouTube. So all these different ways in take me to the same customer data about how I consume media and what I'm watching for entertainment. So if I don't have a platform approach to my business, I'll be left out of that convergent competition. So all those three reasons, relevant brand, competitive advantage, able to compete in modern competitive setting are reasons why I'll grow faster if I'm a platform business and I'll be structurally and existentially at risk if I don't. And how often are you in a spot, Ted, where you're advising clients and they've really, is there a point when it's too late? The reason I ask this question is because you're mentioning in your example, you're mentioning some pretty dominant players who happen to intersect in this case, streaming services. You know, is there a point where there's no return or do you find yourself quite often finding a way in to really help these clients? And I know the billing rate would say that the worst clients are probably the best billing clients, but is there a point where they're like, yeah, you guys are done? In general, no. I'll tell you the ones that might be too late to the game are pure play software companies that are making a run at pure play platform companies when the platform game has been on in that market for a number of years. I might have a hard time chipping away. I may need to sell rather than try to win because I probably have a valuable customer base that could be integrated into somebody else's platform. But in many markets, especially when we think about this blend of digital and physical, the game isn't that old and the players still have plays they can make. So we see a lot of service industries becoming digital platform services. 
I've already mentioned physical companies. Hire is a great example of an appliance maker. Go figure. But if I have a barcode reader in my fridge, which they now do, I can watch the customer pull the food out or I can see what food's in. So if I want to look at my cell phone and say, what do I have that I could make tonight? What's the recipe based on what's sitting in my fridge? And am I missing one thing? And should I order it from my local grocery store? All of a sudden, if I'm higher, I'm an information hub sitting in the middle of my kitchen. Or if I'm putting a camera, a machine vision camera into my oven so people can watch their food bake and assess whether or not it's where it needs to be. Ironically, it not only adds value while cooking and convenience, but people start social media posting to their friends what they're cooking that night. They found it to be an amazingly popular app that they had never dreamed of in Asia in particular, people sharing pictures as to what I'm making tonight for dinner. And all of a sudden, my oven can start to talk to my fridge, can start to talk to my wine cellar, and I can start to create information synergies. So there's plenty of places that there's a lot of virgin territory still to be covered. It's rapidly developing, though. There's almost every industry where you have innovators, disruptors, where you have incumbents trying to strike back, where you've got a lot of risk capital involved. So there's no time to waste, but for most companies, it's not too late. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. You mentioned, you know, one of the values talked about was preparing for modern competition. And you mentioned Netflix, so I'm going to use this as an example. But to me, it sounds like you have these platform players who ultimately were disruptors at some point themselves and are ultimately recognizing that it is not that hard to disrupt. It is not that unusual. I, you know, our, our most recent example, though it was a long story being told from 2002 forward, is Tesla, who's done an amazing job really disrupting through a very capital intensive point of time. And if you're a Tesla investor at some point who burned through billions of cash, you know it was no easy journey. But it's easier to have been four 25 years ago and be like, who's going to compete with me except for my own competence? So it feels in many ways, it's disruptors recognizing that potentially their competitive standing depends on their ability to stay within this virtuous cycle. So do you find that to be a motivation for a lot of platform players? And are they still really fearful, fearful, because you mentioned yourself, of those disruptors, potential disruptors in the marketplace? 
Yeah, I think most markets, you can find archetypes of competitors. You have the original disruptors. Uh, you have the incumbents who fought back. You have some incumbents who were niche players and found a place to land and defend a fort that they can hang on to. IMDb in the movie space is a good example of becoming the reader's guide of streaming media, if you will, of the information guide for streaming media. And then you have next-gen disruptors. You also have the original disruptors having to reinvent themselves. Netflix needed to go to an advertising-based model because the price premium they were allowed to charge in the mid-teens was no longer possible when everyone wanted to add more subscriptions. They didn't want Netflix to take that much of their wallet for media entertainment. So they had their moment of, they were the fastest growing stock during the 2010s of any stock in the market. They began to retract and lower their value as the incumbents fought back, and then they reinvented their pricing model, and now they're back on a growth track again. So you have these dynamics that play out, and the names change. It's Tesla and the auto industry and the major makers, or Google coming in to be a platform inside the car from the side, although not being an automotive company per se. You've got that playing out in every space. You've got it playing out in financial services with the robo-investors, with my ability to structure my own products and use AI to structure alpha generating financial products. So there's a lot of, I'd say, common dynamics of competition and everyone should be running scared. I think the fallacy that was sold in the 20 teens to companies around platforms was they would give you an information monopoly that would protect you. So Uber started out with this great, if we just get the first network, spare no expense, red ink all over the world to get number one market share. And lo and behold, customers own a Lyft app and an Uber app, and they call both cars and whichever one gets there first, they cancel the other one. That's the information monopoly <laughs> that I have. It really isn't true. So I have to go back to earning choice. And that's what the book Winning Through Platforms is about that we wrote. It's in a world where the information monopoly is no longer a trustworthy assumption to my strategy. And I say, now what? How do I differentiate? How do I provide better operations that do a better job of managing customer data than the other guy? So there's different ways to win, but it's no longer I'm special because I'm a platform company. I have to move to the next generation of ways to win. And that's what we tried to write the book for. Well, I have to tell you, it gives me some rest to know that there are organizations and people like Ted out there who are ready to help us when we're making these incredible transitions. Boy, I think the C-suite isn't paid nearly enough given just how quickly the market changes and how dynamic the market is. And you brought it up. Ted, you talked about Netflix, who was a disruptor, and I would imagine they're beginning to fall into that incumbency zone. Learned a ton today. Ted, I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Doug. Pleasure to talk to you. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Ted Moser, Senior Partner at Profit, for joining us today. If you'd like to get in touch with Ted, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can visit his company website at profit.com. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to our guest host, Doug Bell, the CMO of Chief Outsiders. If you'd like to get in touch with Doug, you could find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can contact him on Twitter, where his handle is marketadvocate or you could just visit his website, which is chiefoutsiders.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter, and you can even apply to be the next guest speaker on the MarTech Podcast. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly on LinkedIn. My handle is Ben J. Schapp, 
B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.